house. What is this house known for? What is it known for? And so we're laying down some foundations, and um, myself, uh, Pastor Pam, Pastor, Pastor Mark, <laughs> it's been, we've been sharing, we've been sharing for a little bit um, on where, where are we going? What's the vision for the house? So we're going to catch the scent of the house. Paul said this, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. The aroma that I want you to get from me is the same aroma that I'm getting from Jesus. And there are some things that indicate that aroma. There's some indicators. Um, and it's not just for this house in terms of this temple. One of my favorite passages, you know, by now is Ezekiel 47, where it says that the river, the, the river, the spirit of God, the river, the water, it filled up in the temple. And then it came out, it was so, much, so high in the temple, it came out under the doors. And then it went into the street, and the guy was with him, and he said he went every, every 1,750 feet he measured again. And when it got outside, it, it first rose up to the ankles. And then it went further and it got higher, got up to his knees. He says, are you watching? And then it went further out, another 1,750 feet. It got up to the waist and then more up to the chest, and then he couldn't swim. He couldn't walk in it. He had to swim. And there's a lesson in that. It says that the further out the Spirit of God goes, the higher, the more intense, the broader it should, because he's trying to get into the dark places. And if we keep it just here... It's good, but it's not all that it can be. Instead, it went into those, it went into the Dead Sea and it made what was dead alive. Now, there are three temples. There is this temple, and then the Bible says, um, uh, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Put your hand on your chest and say, thank you, Lord, that my body is the temple of Holy Spirit. Which means that which means that that river should fill up in you. The second temple. Third temple is where you live, your house. Every time you, you know, Pam and I were eating last night, right before we ate. Right before we ate. Last night I had a, I had a spinach salad with tuna. I'm listening. We're listening, Amy. Amy's trying to help everybody with the temple, healthy temple. And there we are. We're about to pray over our food. I'm trying to show you something practical. We're praying over the food, and in the middle of it, we're like, Lord, and we, we dedicate our house to you fresh. And all the property around it, this is yours. This is yours. On three, yell out your street again. Oh, no, 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 no. Yell out your address. Nobody's taking notes. Uh, yell out your address. On three. One, two, three. All right, all right. Well, that's a temple. It's one of the three. A temple here. Temple, my body, but then the temple where I live. And I'm telling you, when you do it like that, that moody stuff dissipates. The attitudes, they dissipate. The anger, and it doesn't mean that you won't have disagreements. Pam and I disagree from time to time. We're very different. We're very different, you know? But how do we stay in unity? How do we stay on the same page? Well, the property 
all around our property line, all of our roof, let me be real practical now, our roof, our attic, you, you pull the, the, uh, the uh, stair, it's called something, what's it called? The ladder, yeah, there's some name that I hear in my head. Yeah, yeah, so we pull it down, you know, and you come down from the attic, and now you're in the hallway. All of that we want filled with the Holy Spirit. We want the bathroom that's right there, and then we've got a, a bedroom over there, and then another bedroom down the hall, and then a bedroom here, and then another bedroom. We're all of them filled with the presence of God. We want the other bathroom filled with the presence of God. We go down the steps filled with the presence of God. I don't want spiritual wickedness hiding anywhere in my house. And so we release, Holy Spirit, fill this, fill it, fill it, fill it. And then we go into all the rooms that are on that, that first floor. Sometimes we pray, you know, Lord, our lampshades, we don't want nothing hiding under, Pastor, you're being spooky? I'm not being spooky, I'm not. You know how I feel, represent Jesus well, not, not weird. But I'm going to tell you, Spiritual wickedness can get into your house, can come through moods, can come through some of the things you watch on television, some of the things that you surface, you, you, uh, you surf on your, your tablet or your phone. And we have to just be careful that, you know, when we dedicate ourselves to God, we dedicate everything to God. You, and, you know, the question is, well, I can't have nothing of my own. No, nothing belongs to you. It all belongs to God. But that's not a bad thing. In the kingdom of God, the slaves live better than everybody else. That's why Paul said, I'm a slave to him. So we want to make sure from top to bottom. And then when you go outside of your property, the, you know, the front lawn or the porch, however your house is designed, or your apartment or your condo, whatever. Let it be God's. Let it be his. Put a hedge of protection. I mean, you use, you use uh, I don't know what security system you use, but, you, you know, your security system protects all of that. Well, we need to get into the spirit and protect our house, our atmosphere. We protect the atmosphere of our house. We protect it. We protect the atmosphere that surrounds our marriage and surround our children. And then it's generational because now our children and our children's children are bringing in that same grace, that same protection. Why? Me and my house, we serve the Lord and the spirit of the Lord doesn't just fill us up where we're enjoying it. It goes into our house. It gets outside of our temple and it gets up and down the street. Maybe that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, all right. So, when we talk about catching the scent of the house, it's not just for here. Catching the scent of the house, really, you should, you should be representing the house, that scent, everywhere, everywhere you go. Wednesday night, <laughs> Wednesday night, Wednesday night, uh, we, had, uh, we had Unpacking the Point, we had Bible study here, and, um, and when we left, uh, Lorna and Deborah uh, went over to Wawa. And we were going to go, Pam and I were going to go to Chick-fil-A, but the line was too long. And so we ended up at Wawa. 
and I see Lorna and Deborah and Wawa. And for me, and we had a lot of fun there. We were messing with each other and all that. But the beauty of it was we started talking to the, the girl that was at the register. See, everywhere we go, we need to bring the presence of God. Not weird. Not weird. And so joy was there. And joy is attractive. Joy is attractive. It's like love. Love and joy, they're attractive. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. That's why sometimes I'll bend a little bit here and I'll go into the male-female relationship. That's why sometimes guys are attracted to Christian women because they carry the anointed presence of God. He says he beautifies the meek with salvation. He's like, wow, there's something about you. And ladies, you need to be bold enough to say, yeah, I love Jesus. You know? And that's important because you've been given the spirit of God. And it can go both ways. Same thing with you guys. It's like, mm, it's just something about you. <laughs> it's the presence of God in my life. And so what happens then? You need to make sure that you keep that that line drawn because they're attracted to the presence of God. And so if it does get into any kind of relationship, just realize, just realize, um, you can view them as valuable and precious, but they just think you fine. You, you see the difference? There's a difference there. There's, there's a, there's, <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. So, so, so when, we, when we get to that place, all of that is attractive. Love is attractive. Grace is attractive. So there we are. We're playing around. And now it's time for me to get in checkout line. And I'm checking out. And this lady is happy. And I start talking to her about, you know, um, hey, yeah, we're from High Street Worship right down the street. And, and, uh, and she told me where she lived. And, and I just started asking, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? See, we need to, we, we, the spirit of God needs to come out of the temple down the street. And every chance we get, we ought to be showing the love of God to others. So if you go out to dinner later on, and after you're done eating, remember, ask the waiter, ask the waitress, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? You know, Pam and I and Mark and Danielle were in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And, and we went out to dinner. We're at a, a, worship com at a, a marriage conference. We went out to dinner right before the conference started, and here's this girl coming up serving us, serving us, serving. And then, um, and having fun, we're all having fun. Remember the rule, have fun. Don't send the food back, don't get angry, don't get bitter, because at the end, you're gonna ask them for prayer, and it's gonna work better if you've been nice the whole time. And so we get to the end, and, uh, and Pam or Daniel, one of them said, hey, is there anything we can pray for you for? And the girl immediately, her face just, she, it just welled up with tears. She said, why would you ask me that? Do you, do you know, and I'm paraphrasing, that my mom's fiancé, we're coming up on the year when he died. And our family is just really going through right now. And so we're able to just bless. We say, listen, we're not going to mess up your shift. We're not going to be weird about it, where we have a prayer meeting around, the, you know. 
and get you fired, right? Then we got to pray again, you get another job. Um, but we're going we're gonna to pray for you. And so then after everything was over, we ate our meal, whatever. We're walking out, and there is, you know, Danielle, this girl is right at the, the when, you, when we're leaving out in the lobby area. See, you should leave deposits everywhere you go. Am I trying to bring glory to Danielle or Mark? No, I'm trying to show you practically, practically. This is how we do it. And if we're going to, if we're going to bring heaven here, then we got to do it in a way where everybody can do it. Because we won't be able to get everybody there in this house. So we have to take the scent of this house out there. Does that make sense? That make sense? Okay. So, um, but that's what we've been talking about, the scent of the house. So let's, let's just do a, a little bit of a review. Um, there are five things that we want to lay down as a foundation. The first one is love. Love. The second one is unity. We talked about that unity piece. Go back to love. Love is that God-given ability to view another one as valuable and precious. Let's practice just for a minute. Let's practice just for a minute. Look at somebody and say, you're valuable and precious to me. Now, if you see somebody sitting by themselves, get their attention, point at them. <laughs> Anthony, you're valuable and precious to me. You're valuable and precious to me. <laughs> you're valuable and precious. All right? And so then, <laughs> and so then the unity piece um, <laughs> for those of you that are watching online, you're valuable and precious to us. You know, I just want you to know you're valuable, valuable and precious. So love, the God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. Unity. Ah. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we all have to say hallelujah the same way. We all have to dress the same way. We all have to smile the same way. I mean, this isn't Stepford. All right, you know, we, God has made us so unique. We're all very different, and we have to celebrate that. They celebrate it. You can have somebody who can pray, and they're extremely fiery. And then somebody can pray, Jesus, thank you for being in my life. I love you, and I appreciate you. Well, that prayer got through just like the other one got through. We're very different, so... Even for me, don't try and be like me. Don't try and pray like me. Don't try and sound like me. I'm different. I told you Pam and I are different. You heard Pam preach and teach last week. She teaches so different. For one, she stays on point. <laughs> this girl comes up with her outlines. She's got her books. I remember Pam is pregnant with Ryan, our oldest son. And... Um, Woke up one morning, we're about to go to church. And she says to me, Terry, um, there's all this bleeding. And simultaneously, our neighbors knocked on the door and they needed to go somewhere. And I said, okay, I'm a, are you gonna be okay? And she says, yeah, I'm good. I just, you know, so we prayed. And then I went and took my neighbor somewhere. And then when I came back, Pam is sitting in the bed. She's got her Bible open. She's got her Bible dictionary open and a concordance open, and she's hunting for what God says about her situation. She found a passage of scripture I'd never heard, and it says, 
you shall not cast your young before time. You're talking about miscarriage. She searched that thing. And I'll tell you, Ryan's about to turn 32. <laughs> but that's the, that's the difference with us. And that's not to say that I won't, you know, search scriptures. It's just to say she's, she's just very, very organized like that when it comes to those kinds of things. And we, all, we both have our organization. We do. We do. Um, I like making the bed. She doesn't. She's like, why make the bed? And we're going to get back in it. And for some of you, you're saying amen, right? Uh, now, she's extremely cleanly, just or, all of that. But just the bed, we're just very different. And so I'm up, and I'm making the bed. Even if we got to go, we got to go. Give me a minute. It's going to make this. But it doesn't make me better than her. It doesn't make her better than me. We're just different. And we have to get to that place of understanding that when it comes to the body of Christ, even here, we're wired very, very differently. And even our children, and I'm not talking about just my children, I'm talking about your children. Even your children will be different. So we have to be very good about accepting each other's children. So you don't always hear that talked about. We've got to accept each other's children. Your child doesn't have to be like my child. Their child doesn't have to be like your child. Even on the learning scale, because your, your, your child may be very intuitive and the other child may be extremely cerebral, it doesn't mean that one is better than this one. There has to be a level of acceptance and honor and appreciation. But that takes effort. And everything you're talking about has to do with the Holy Spirit. See, this is the scent of the house. And this kind of unity is attractive. This kind of love is attractive. So when people come in and they don't look like Christians, our unity and our love becomes an attractant to them. And the Holy Spirit can use it. I always want to give Holy Spirit something to work with. Does this make sense? So unity is a big piece. The only thing I'll say before I go into to, uh, the part that we've been settling in on for a little bit, we're going to end it today, is... Understanding that there are enemies to oneness. There are enemies. There are things that fight against it all the time, just like our marriage. Just like our marriage. Oh, y'all didn't see that. She gave me a little wink. I get home, she's going to be like, why do you tell everything? <laughs> but there are enemies to the oneness. Enemies, what are they? Selfishness, isolation, and assumption. If I didn't give you those before, I'm giving them to you now. Write them down. Please write them down. They're not just for marriage. Oneness will work in anything, and the enemies will come at anything. And I'm talking strictly right at this point. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. These are things that the enemy loves to flow in. Selfishness. That's, you can't, you know, you've got you to be selfless. You've got to be thinking about the other person. You've got to be thinking about the other person. In family, think about the other person. 
In business, think about the other person. Education, the other person. Where, where, community, think about the other person. Selfishness is an enemy to oneness, and selfishness will kill the house. And so, you fight that enemy. Instead of thinking about you all the time, think about the others. And like uh, like Pam was saying earlier, if you sow those kinds of seeds, then now others will think about you. So, that second enemy is isolation. And that's why we need to be around each other as often as we can. That's what Paul told one group. He says, as often as you can, be around each other. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. Some people do that. He said this. These aren't my words. These are his words. He says, some people do that. It's the manner of some, says it in the King James Version. He says, but don't let that be your habit. Get around others. And the enemy would love for us to be fragmented, separated, isolated. One of the reasons is so that he can pounce on you. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Because if one falls down, the other one is there to pick him up. If one is overcome in an attack, you can fight better when you've got a group. Jesus put it this way. He says, where two or three are gathered together, you represent the culture of heaven. And the very gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. So it's important to be around each other. I'll ask you that question. How often do you fellowship? Or have you been so hurt that it's turned into just you and Jesus? And I'm not discounting your hurt. Man, hurt Hurt is a real thing, and church hurt is a real thing. It's real. It's real. You can feel it like a knot. So much so, if anybody mentions the church's name, <laughs> but hurts that aren't dealt with turn to bitterness, and bitterness springs up and it troubles you. The danger in that is that there's a, a bunch of people that get messed up as a result because God could use you to connect with another. And so if you've got family, please don't be isolated from family. Pastor, you don't know my family. I may not know your family, but I know your God. I know the power of the Spirit of God, so be quick. What do we, what do we like to be quick with? Scream it out. What do we like to be quick with? Quick to, re quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to love. Quick. Don't let it sit. Don't let it fester. Be quick. Things happen with me and my children. We, Pam and I, we've got adult children and, and daughter-in-laws. When things try and get in, and please don't, don't think that just because we're leaders or that we don't have those kinds of issues. Yes. You know why? Because we're people. And it's not just me. <laughs> it's also you. <laughs> the enemy tries to get in. But when those issues come up, we're quick to talk about it. We're not calling the others that will side with us and say, guess what so-and-so did? Can you believe that? Man, you need to talk to your brother. You need to talk to your sister. No. If you have an issue, go directly to them. And then if you can't work it out, bring somebody else in love, not to accuse, not to tear down, but to bring just a sweet level of accountability. This is what we do. Wave at me if that made sense. Does that make sense? All right. This is how we do unity. This is how we do unity. So 
Uh, uh, what are those enemies? Selfishness, isolation. That last one is a relationship killer. It will kill the relationship because the enemy will plot and speak in your mind and convince you that that person is thinking that, feels that, doing that because of that. It's an assumption. The problem comes is now I start acting on that assumption. And it's not until five years later, ten years later, that you start having a conversation that you realize, I, I wasn't even thinking that. I, I wasn't thinking that about you. What? All this time? So we've got to speak. We've got to share. We've got to talk. You know, Pam and I developed this thing early in our marriage called Expose the Devil. In other words, I don't want the devil speaking more to me about Pam than Pam is talking to me about Pam. And we have to do that in here as well. Do that. Do that. Don't sit back and look like, mm, she thinks she's something. Look at her, the way she's walking in. You can't accept that. Look at the way they dress him. I know the reason. No, you don't. And so we've got to make sure those kinds of enemies are pushed back. Right? And, uh, and then there's the fasting. What are the things that we fast around here? Anybody know? Hmm? We fast gossip. We fast complaining. And we fast accusation. I, I normally put it a different way. It's a C-A-G fast. Complaining, gossip, accusation. The devil is the accuser. And if, if you really would pause yourself, you'll start to see, wait a minute, I'm, I'm accusing right now. Oh, I better, stop. I better stop that. That's hurting the unity of our church. That's hurting the unity of our family. It's, when you start working on this stuff and you start really fasting this, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm gossiping about this person. And sometimes we can color it. You know, we color it. <laughs> It's like, hey, girl, I just, want to, I just want to encourage you in something. You know, I saw so-and-so down the street, and they were doing this, and they were doing that. Mm, we got to pray for them. See, that's gossip. You're not part of the problem or the solution in terms of that, yet you're talking about it. And that's why when you start getting into that fast, man, you really start, like David said, put a watch over my mouth, put a guard over my mouth. Well, then, Pastor, I'll just walk around and not say anything. No, no, that's not good. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, it says, speak. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk ever come out of your mouth. This, I think this is 28, Ephesians 4, 28. Except that which is good for the use of building up that you might minister grace to the hearers. And so you don't want to let anything unwholesome come out. And it's, it's the juicy stuff. How many of you ever heard some juicy gossip? Y'all never heard juicy gossip? Oh, I heard it. I heard stuff. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> A story just went in my head, but I don't have time to tell it. So you, you, what ends up happening is you end up dedicating now your words over to God for the sake and the purpose of unity. All right? And then the last thing that we had, we had love, we have unity, and then we have the word of God. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this statement. 
I think I gave this as a statement to put up. Jack, you can throw this up there if you have that, that paragraph for that after the word of God. This is the word of God, scripture. Pastor Mark was sharing a few weeks ago. You know, let's, let's make sure we put scripture in there. And not just say, good, what the word of God says, the word of God says. Well, let's, let's bring in scripture, but let's also bring in the heart of scripture. Like Pastor Pam was saying last, last week, get the heart of this thing in there. Because we don't want to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the religious rulers where all they were doing is going off of the letter, but they missed the heart of God. And so when you read the Bible, make sure the heart of Scripture, the heart of the Father is coming out. The Word of God, Scripture, is the foundation, stability, as well as guardrails for every believer in every congregation. Scripture. You've got to have You've got to have what God says about it. These, these past Wednesdays on Unpacking the Point, one, one Wednesday we were given out, and we went over it a few times, the difference between spiritual and carnal. And if you look up carnal, it'll say from flesh. Carnal is, and this is from Romans, the eighth chapter, and you can spend time reading that eighth chapter. Carnal is ideas, Attitudes, opinions, moods, perspectives, words, actions that don't line up with God. That's carnal. That's carnal. Is it flesh? Absolutely. But carnal says it's opposite of spiritual. What is spiritual? Spiritual says... Whatever God is saying, I'm saying. More specifically, however God feels about it, that's how I feel about it. And if I don't feel like God feels about it, then according to, we went over this a few weeks ago, according to Joshua, the first chapter, I look at it until it fixes my heart. I don't want to do that. I don't want to forgive it was her fault. God, why I always got it? And then you start looking. You can look at something as simple as John 3.16. You look at that long enough, you're like, you know what, Lord? I need to, I need to forgive. Okay. Joshua 1 says, meditate on the word day and night. Let it be your rhythm. Let it be your rhythm. Doesn't mean you have to walk around all day like this, but let it be your rhythm. Let it, let it be your, the, the, the climate. Let it be the atmosphere of your life that I'm meditating. I'm thinking about what God says. I'll even speak it out loud. I'll say what he says. Um, that you might observe to do everything that's written in it. I want to, I want to look at it until my heart fixes. God says you to do some things, and you're like, God, I don't want to do it. And some of us as Christians, we won't say, God, I won't want to do it. We just won't do it. And so what do we need to do? We need to spend time looking at what he says. What's John 3 say? John 3 says, God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever just believes in him won't be separated from God but will have life eternal. And that's not just life that lasts forever. That's the very life of God. You look at that long enough, whew, you love me that much? And then verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world or to lock, like a condemned man just locked away. No, but that the world through him might be saved. I look at that long enough, 
One translation says God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out your defects and wave an accusing finger. I look at that long enough, it's like, God, I, I don't want to wave accusing finger. I, I don't want to highlight just things that, you know, annoy me or bother me or even if the person is wrong because of how you did me. And, and so that's why the, it brings stability now. Stability. It brings stability. And it's a foundation. All right, I want to I want to read something to you. We're going to read. We're going to use the last part of what we're doing, and we're going to read. I'm I'm just going to do nothing but read scripture here. All I'm going to do is read scripture, and I want you to I want you to just hear this. this is all coming from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read Matthew seven. I'm going to read. I'm going to read um, Psalm one oh nine one nineteen, and then I'm going to read Second Timothy three. Look at this. First reading is Matthew, 20, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. I just want you to hear this. And if, it, if they follow quick enough with me, um, I, you can just look up on the screen and follow through. Please write these passages down so that you can read them when you go home. Because today we're, we're, we're closing up talking about scripture. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey, it is foolish. Like the person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it collapsed with a mighty crash. One translation says it's totally destroyed. What's the key? Build your house on what he says. And the house is your life. It's your life. Look at Psalms 119, verse 89, 106. It says, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in the heaven. Pam said that earlier. Your word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. God said it, that's settled. It's not God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. No, it's settled. If you believe it, it's to your advantage. But God's word is already settled. It's already locked in. So he says, he says, your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. Your regulations remain true this day. For everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. I'm yours. Rescue me, for I've worked hard at obeying your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Even, even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking about your laws. I'm even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. There's a little plug in there. 
I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. That's a picture of someone who says, God's word is everything to me. And there are benefits, and he gave all the benefits. He gave all the benefits in the middle of that. And I use one of those as promises. You know, when I was, you know, in school and, and trying to pass exams and things, he says, listen, I love your law. It's my meditation. And because of it, You've given me more wisdom than my teachers. And that's not to highlight me as smarter than my teachers. It's just that he puts me on the track of understanding. So much happens when you bring God into your situation. Bringing God into your situation is bigger than just being, I'm a Christian, I go to church, God's my this, God's my that. No, the word of God makes you smarter. It makes you wiser. Life and, and light starts to come find that in Psalm 119, 112 Psalm. Write down 112 Psalm. Man, there's so much in that. Light comes. It's not just life. I get life, but sometimes I need light. I need wisdom. And so I'm going to throw this to you. I'll throw this to you. When it comes to seeking the word in scripture, there are two types of Christians. You can write this down. You can identify where you are. Two types of Christians when it comes to reading the Bible. A diligent seeker or a casual inquirer. That's not to bring shame, because remember, Holy Spirit comes to edify, to encourage, and to comfort. So if, you, if shame came, that's not, to be, that's not the, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is trying to come and build you up. He's trying to coach you. He's trying to show you light. Like in Proverbs where the father was saying, my son, attend to my words. It's not to knock you down. It's to say, if you want life, do it this way. One prophet put it this way. He said, I set before you good and evil, life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. He, it's open book. It's open, it's open revelation. He says, choose life. So what I'm trying to let you know is that, listen, if you want God's wisdom in life, please Highlight the word of God above everything. And honestly, I'll be real honest with you on something, especially for you as parents. That word is a, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Man, I was, I was four, five, six, seven, eight, 10, 12, 13. In my bedroom, in my bedroom, 5117 Aspen Street, West Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. My mom and dad had that plaque on my wall over my bed. I had no idea my life was going to go the way that it went. But they loved me enough, not just to get me the good sneakers and the, you know, and, and we didn't always have the best sneakers and all that, but it wasn't just that they were thinking about material things. They placed in my room, over my bed, the word of God. And as parents, we have to put the word of God over our children. 
Well, Pastor, my child's not listening. Fine. They're not listening. You be the one to speak it while they're asleep. Open their eyes to see. Bless them to highlight you. May me and my house serve you, oh God. Give me wisdom on how to talk to him. Wisdom on how to talk to her. Holy Spirit, help me to win her soul. Help me to win his soul. That's not just talking about them coming to Jesus. The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. How do I win their soul? It takes wisdom. But the word of God has got to be highlighted. Last thing I'll tell you comes out of, comes out of, uh, well, yeah, I'll do Timothy. <laughs> I was going to go somewhere else, but you're right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So it's profitable. You know, and even, look, hold it up against, you know, going to the gym. You know, and look, I'm not knocking the gym. I got gym membership, love going to the gym. Well, I don't love going to the gym. But, you know. But trying to do the right thing with my body is great. But he says, bodily exercise profits little. But godliness, it's profitable everywhere. Everywhere. And so let's make sure we do both. Stay in balance. Stay in balance. Do we need to get our bodies together? Yes. But don't highlight your body over your spirit. Don't highlight your body over your spirit. Uh, John 16 and 12 and 15, it says, There is much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future, and he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. What am I trying to say there? Huh. Don't try and get scripture and do scripture on your own. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Love is of the Spirit. If you want to walk in the ways of God, make sure that when you read scripture, the Holy Spirit is the one who's coaching you and guiding you. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. And when I miss it, like Paul says in Romans chapter 7, oh, miserable man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? Because the thing that I want to do, I never do. The thing that I hate, that's what I do, even though I know it says it in here. Who's going to deliver me? I need the power of the Spirit of God. He's the one. He's the one. And so love, unity, the Word of God. We start next week talking about humility, and then we're going to end up on a greater deep dive on the Holy Spirit. Now, bow your heads where you are. Father, may the light of your word today, may it, may it touch people beyond this worship service, this gathering, that you love them and that you want to work through them to love others. Unity is huge. You've modeled it with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit's picture, that picture. Help us to take this home and live it out.
And in this church, be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. May we carry the scent of heaven. I pray, Father, for those that don't know you. Even in our families, we have people in our families that just don't know you, Lord. And we pray for them right now, right now. Everyone right now, just right where you are in the, you know, just in a whisper, in a whisper, just, just call out the names of your family members that don't know Jesus. Just call them out, call them out. It's a safe place, it's a safe place because we're bringing heaven to reach them. Helen Baylor sang a song years ago, can you reach my friend? You're the only one who can. Lord, I know you love them. Make them understand. Can you reach my friend? Bring their searching to an end. Help them give their life to you right now, Father. Our family members, our, our friends, those who are close to us, we want your love to reach them. We pray for them right now. We pray over our family. Holy Spirit, send Send people that they don't even know to them. Use a movie. Use a, a billboard. Use, use a, a sunrise or a sunset. Use, God, use, but get to them. May they experience your great love. Not out of deep fear, because we know that you don't give the spirit of fear, but love. So we pray for them now. And even for anyone who's watching this broadcast that doesn't know Jesus, may I say to you, he loves you. He's always loved you. He loves you still. Will you respond to him and say words like this? Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you were buried and raised from the dead. And today, I make a decision to make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I accept you. Thank you for accepting me. Help me to grow. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody, stand to your feet. Stand